and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Scarlett Maltman. And my name is Cathy Reed. And today we are joined by the powerhouse that is Ailey Lone. Ailey is a graduate of the Guildford School of Acting, of which she won the Alan Bates Award upon graduating. Today, however, she won't be discussing so much about acting as Ailey is a young playwright and director whose play Moorcroft has a main focus upon mental health in men. Moorcroft recently has a run at the Tristan Bates Theatre and is now in its what number of development? Probably in like the third stage, I'd say. Third stages. (laughs) Third stage of development and is truly set for a successful run somewhere in London down the line I'm sure it sounds amazing and um, so without further ado hello Ailey how are you hello hello thanks for having me <laughs> thank you for coming on how are you feeling today yeah all right feeling yeah. good the weather's nice sun is back yeah exactly sitting having probably just for a day though yeah because yeah. yeah yeah that's what it's like all weather all weather so we're going to start with a wee game uh, word associations. I'm just going to say a few words, and you just need to say the first thing that comes into your head. Right, so so it's not any rhyming no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, right, okay. that that would be great. <laughs> okay, playwright Dennis Kelly, Bottle of Bucky, my two mates, <laughs> audition, time, pressure, good, good hair. Amy Scarlett. That's me, Amy Scarlett. (laughs) (laughs) Inspiration. Inspiration, uh, Robin Williams. Dogs. My dog, Woody. Comedia Delarte. Drama School. Is that that what it is? Comedia Delarte? Comedia Delarte. Oh. I don't know that. So we we didn't do that. (laughs) Okay. Last one, chicken korma with rice. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> right, so let's just get cracking straight away. Tell us about your, your play. What is Moorcroft about? So, um, Moorcroft follows the story of seven boys from the sort of working class town of Renfrew, um, which is just outside of Glasgow. Um, and it's them coming together to set up a football team to sort of escape the mundane lives that they all live like a lot of them were tradesmen and on their hands and knees you know nine to five and wanted to do something physical and football was what they they absolutely loved is when you know they were at high school so they get together and they set up this football team and everything's going fantastically well the fundraise to get their own kits and then things start going wrong and the play is based off of true events and memoirs from the original Moorcroft team. So um, there's there's parts of the story that really, really hit home and resonate with a lot of people. So one of our characters, Sooty, was diagnosed with cancer. And it's the first point in the play where you really see the men face reality again because they've been living in this sort of dream world. You know, we set up this football team, everything's going really, really well. And they're hit with this. This, this news and from then on the play follows how the boys deal with you know the loss of a friend not only to cancer but to to other issues as well and 
you know, not as obviously saying I need help, but they're sitting throughout the play and they don't talk about anything. But they all know that something's wrong, which is what I found heartbreaking when I did the research for the play, is because these are real people. The play is, you know, based on events that happen throughout their lives. So I took to interviewing the guys and only, you know, 20 years on from the events that some of the events that happened, are they now able to speak about what happened? And so that made me think, right, well, you know, this this just can't can't continue. Young men feeling this sort of social pressure or, you know, being told to man up, act like a man constantly. So I got I got very close to my dad throughout this process. And for me to look at my dad, I think, oh, that's, you know, he's the dad, he's the provider of the family. And there's that pressure put on men at such a young age that they have to be a man. And I just think that, you know, it's, there's so much more to, to explore in male mental health that we've not crossed yet. So through the play, I really wanted to, to reach out to not just, not just men because the issues that are brought up are everyone goes through not being able to talk to someone or express how you feel. Um, losing, losing someone is just some, that's, you know, the issues that comes with that. So, yeah, that's, that's what the play, the play follows really. And it, um, it was great to have like the boys and the, the first cast that we had uh, really, really sit and take and, you know, okay, these are, this is based on, on true events, so how, you know, we had the voice recordings from the guys, like really inspired by like Aliki Blythe's work, yeah. she does like recording in communities yeah, yeah. and things like that, which is really, really class. So then, you know, they'd sit and listen to the recordings and, you know, have a feel for what the men have said now when they're 50 about the events that happened when they were, when they were kids, when they were just young boys, yeah, but 18, 19. And yeah, that's, I want to just really, like when I, went, I was back home in Scotland recently and caught up with a lot of the boys and they just can't believe that a play's been written about them because they don't think that, you know, their story's anything to tell. So they just think, you know, this is, we're just ordinary people. And I was like, but that's the point. That's, that's yeah. what I think we need to have more of. It's just, it's real, it's real hitting home and just telling those stories and really getting those messages across. And yeah, it sounds amazing. It sounds the play. Oh, it you. gives me goosebumps every time thank we talk you. about it. That's the first time I've heard what it's about. It sounds so great. I'd oh, okay. love to read it and see it, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. put it on soon, Ellie. We want to see yeah. it. Um, so, what made you initially want to write this play? So, you you started writing it whilst you were at drama school. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So, talk talk us through through the process. So, like, I'd never ever considered myself, like, I love writing, absolutely love writing, but I never ever thought about it or considered that's something that I want to, to do. It was just a sort of fun pastime, and we were encouraged to do things like that at drama school, you know, sort of writing your own scripts and do that thing. So a lot of what we're into now. I think I've graduated at a really crucial point for making your own work. That's just a massive, massive part of the industry now. And, it, and young writers should have backing to get their work out there and if this is something that we're going to keep encouraging young people to do is create their own stuff and not just sit about waiting for something to sort of pass them by. So my dad used to tell me these stories about the boys in the football team and that 
you know, that was a sort of cursed football team that one of them was diagnosed with cancer and the next one and it's sort of they all just sort of fall you know, fall into the ground really. And it was just a sort of you know, it was a curse on the team and I thought that was just a really mad story that something that they went into with such passion to, you know, get out of the place that they came from was turned into a negative, which again I find speaking to the boys and speaking to them about that, you know, they're very proud to be working class. That's a lot of the time what happens is that they dig themselves out of this place and then the next minute everything just sort of falls falls to pieces. And that was something I was like, well this this is another thing that can't keep happening. We need to keep creating opportunities for working class people in this industry, in any industry, but especially when it comes to theatre, TV, anything, because there's so many people out there that don't have you know, financial stability to, to do things or they just don't have the access to do them. So, And we're the, we're the generation that's going to change it and make it accessible to everybody. So that is something that behind the play I really wanted to reach audiences that aren't just in the theatre, that don't just go to the theatre or aren't involved in theatre because not enough people experience what sitting in a theatre does for someone. And that's so important that everyone should have that experience and it should be encouraged amongst all communities. So, yeah. And you said, um, so for the listeners, I bumped into Ailey on the train to Scotland and we had this amazing conversation. And that's when I was like, yeah, nattering away. And I was like, you need to come on the podcast. And you said as well, eventually when it does go to the next stage, that you wanted everyone to be involved in it, to be quite fresh and, and new, remember? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's creating opportunities for everyone so that, you know, if lighting designers coming onto the project I want them to be someone that's maybe just graduated or hasn't had their first jobs yet and it's so that we are creating this new pool of people that have either just graduated or are you know building up uh, you know their CV of work because I think supporting everyone in this industry is something that is just vital you need to you know be able to turn a hand to everybody and say yep I can give you an opportunity here or you can join in here because if it is all about making our own work we need to involve everyone and just like what you guys are doing is incredible you know you're reaching out to everyone from all different avenues in the industry and speaking to them that's fantastic and we need more of that when it comes to to work as well you're brilliant you're absolutely brilliant Um, so as you've said before, the play is based on real-life events. Um, just to clarify, it's from your dad's um, life, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, a, lot of the play, a lot of the play follows my dad's struggles with anxiety. And that's a really strange thing for a dad and daughter to sort of talk about, which I don't think should be strange. It should be this open conversation. I'm very lucky to have my parents that are so open and can talk about you know anything but when it comes to the play and you do follow you know Gary's character through he sits and he can't talk about anything he thinks you know there's points when my dad admitted he was like I honestly thought I was dying because of how anxious I would feel and my chest would get tight and he didn't know what this feeling was so it's if we start that conversation of right okay so what is a panic attack when young men don't know what a panic attack is and they're sitting alone in their room isolated feeling like they don't know what's going on that's just just can't have it we just can't have it and it isn't and yeah it's not just along and you know it's young men it's everybody it's everybody and it's dealing with mental health and everybody but just in my own experience it is 
speaking to these men and having that conversation with them. It's, yeah, it's heartbreaking almost that only 50 years later, 20 years later, sorry, when they are 50 years old, that they can open up about things. Um, on that topic of the whole panic attack thing, how many times have you heard someone go, oh, this was happening and this was happening, I now know that that was a panic attack. It's like that kind of thing's not talked about often enough, so people don't know what, the, what they're experiencing is that. So, yeah, that's great that you, your dad was able to now talk to you about that. So obviously you're a young, young woman and you've wrote a play on mental health from the point of view of seven men and you've directed and produced this piece. You are the piece. Um, and I just think it's incredible what you've done, especially at a time when we as women are especially able to be celebrated, you know, and having our own rights. And it's such an amazing movement. But you obviously started writing this at a time when, like, the Me Too movement wasn't in place. Um, was that a scary thing initially to do, like you say, to be a woman behind seven men, directing them, producing, writing it? How was that? Because it's almost, it's almost un, unheard of, it really is. Yeah, for me there was absolutely no difference to treating it like any other any other piece, and I think that's the way it should be. We shouldn't be looking at things, there's a female writer directing something that's all males it should just be there's a director writing a piece and it's a group of actors it shouldn't they shouldn't hear hear <laughs> yeah <laughs> but there was a question put to me and it sort of it sort of baffled me a bit because they were saying oh so you're a female writer I said well well yeah I'm um, yeah that's, that's it's a weird concept to get my head around because I didn't ever consider myself to be to be writing something and they said, oh, so why, why don't you use, you know, your, your female voice to write a play about, you know, women characters? And I just, I was like, so is it, it sort of threw me because I thought, so does that mean that just women need to write plays about women and men need to write plays about men? For me, it was writing a play that just has so much truth behind it and is getting a message across to a wider group of people and letting these men feel like they've achieved something with their lives. I didn't consider it to be, I'm a, I'm a woman writing an all-male play. It was just the story. And I think that's what it sh really should be, is just about, about the story and the characters and regardless of gender, as a writer or a director or producer or a movement director or wh whatever you, you are involved in the piece, it should never ever be a stigma that oh you're a you're a female writer direct and it just yeah it sort of threw me because I thought to myself I went and something that we we have fought against for years and years and years isn't to just fling women into plays and women characters into plays that was another thing it was just you know the lack of female presence it's like but these men didn't have female presence in their life apart from their their mothers or and later on it became their girlfriends they were just they were so anxious to do anything. Like one of the characters explores that, as you know, that that anxiety to be able to go up and speak to a woman and things like that. So it wasn't just flinging a character in or writing a piece about women because that was the thing to do. That's something I would love to do, but it has to come from a point where I know what I want to write and what I want to say when it comes to women characters. We've we've surely by now sort of got away from the fact like oh we'll just play the woman over there and that's the you would hope that's the sort of turning point that we're we're having which is which is great and there's a lot of young female writers out there writing all sorts there's a lot of young male writers out there writing all sorts and it's we all move together we all have this movement together and that we all you know collaborate and do things together and it shouldn't be you know defined by by gender ever really so yeah it's important to be part of this 
sort of movement, but it's a movement where it's all genders, all ethnicities, all communities, everyone moves together and it shouldn't just be about, about one single one. Ailey Lone for Prime Minister, raise a hand. <laughs> oh, my oh my goodness, I don't think I could take on that. But, so, <laughs> after watching The Bodyguard, I wanted nothing to do. That's true. So how was it when you were sitting in that theatre and you're watching your play and your dad's sitting in the audience with you and knowing that this is his part of his story and you've, you, his daughter, have put this on? What was that feeling like for you? Yeah, a lot of the time I felt myself, my eyes just catching my dad's eyes to see what he was thinking because he's obviously going to be the harshest critic. <laughs> but it was, um, I spoke to him a lot after it, not, not sort of, you know, after the play and stuff, you know, speaking to the actors and things like that. But it was really, really difficult, I think. And again, this is a thing that my dad did in, a, in private and was, you know, couldn't still to this day can't sit in a theatre and fully open up and let his emotions go because he's been constantly told you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to do this. In fact, Robert Webb has a brilliant bit in his book that I was I sent to all the castmates, the um, How Not to Be a Boy, and I sent it round to all the all the boys and I said, just have a read of this paragraph. And you know, he says, you know, if you tell a boy not to feel things and not to cry and to man up, well, what, they're eventually going to stop being able to feel anything, and that's what we need to do as, as functioning beings, as we feel things and we we. We should be encouraging that for everybody. So for my dad to still be able to sit there and watch one of, you know, it was someone playing his mate that had died of cancer and watching a, an, another actor play that. And through through that sort of um, journey of the story, Sooty, the, the, the character that's diagnosed with cancer, he has a big speech about how it feels to be you know, diagnosed with this and that he feels like he can't tell his family he loves them before he goes and things like that. And for my dad to sit there and watch, you know, Sooty say that was really upsetting because they all knew at the time that's what he was feeling, but no one could talk about it. And so he, it's, it's just so, it's, yeah, it's, and I think, you know, even today I look at some of my friends from back home and we're very privileged as, you know, people in the industry that we've been encouraged either at drama school to open up about your feelings or talk about a thing and that kind of thing and do all these classes which is fantastic and that almost is like a counselling session in itself and you know for the boys back home I watched you know some of my mates and they still can't open up and talk about things and they keep a lot tight to their chest. That was another thing that we discovered throughout the play when it came to like the movement side of things was we all go and we hug each other when we first meet each other. And that's a very open, you know, an open stance and we open our chests to each other and we meet everyone. And back home they shake hands. Yeah. You know, like my dad and his dad will shake hands and it's just, that's not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. But f for me to watch, it's quite alien because we are encouraged to just that part of your chest so vulnerable so it's just to open that up so but yeah he he really enjoyed the the play and you know he he's just so proud the fact that his life has been performed in front of him but the difficult thing was obviously watching you know um our actor it was ryan hunter who played my dad in the in the play and 
he has a, a speech at the end where he's talking about anxiety and doesn't know what it is, but he gets sent to these counselling sessions for it and he's, you know, holding it. And my dad, to watch a version of himself do that was very difficult because he's, he's having to sort of relive it. But that was something going into the project. I said to the boys, I went, if you don't want to talk about anything or there's anything that doesn't want, you, you don't want to be in the play, we can take it out or... But, you know, it's ultimately I want them to all come and watch it and feel like, you know, we, we achieved that because working, the working class don't, they always, there's this thing about, you know, Scottish people as well when they say, oh, we, we never feel like we can say, oh, yeah, I'm proud of this and I'm proud of that. But it's that real thing amongst working class people is we, they don't say how proud they are about doing things and they're proud of where they come from and what class system they're from, but they're never, ever proud of anything they actually do. So... We should be encouraging that a lot and for the boys to come down and watch the play eventually when it's on and they sit and they go, wow, right, okay, we see what we did with our lives and be, and be proud of it. So, But yeah, it's been, really, it's been really special and it's opened up my eyes a lot to speak, well, speaking to the boys and especially my dad. Like I was really close with my dad anyways, but you know I'm very lucky in a situation where both my dad and I suffer from anxiety and we can chat to each other about it. And we sit there, if I'm having a bit of a panic attack, I can phone my dad and say, look, I'm really... Oh, I don't know why I'm thinking like this right and then he'll go oh, I'm the same and we can talk about it but I know a lot of people don't have that so through seeing the play I want them to come and watch it and think oh I can't end up like Gary or Dickie or Sooty and not be able to say things I wanted to say before I go sort of thing so yeah it's been it's been really special being able to have him there throughout the whole thing and watch it so yeah Why do you think that is such a thing on man up and think like a man because I know like obviously I've been surrounded by lots of men in my life and even my partner while he was at uni I think it was in his second year at university or third year and he actually done um, a whole kind of term mm -hmm. on mental health because for, for his studies he had to go through this and he was sat there and I remember he phoned me and said I had, I had this session today and I think in my first year I suffered from depression um, we were talking about depression I, I think I must have suffered from it and then from that point on the, he started going to men's mental health sessions within the uni um, shout out to Sterling Uni for doing a great yeah, job um, but why is that such a thing because even like a lot of men in my life still they they don't show feelings like even like a romantic level they struggle to voice how they're feeling why is this such like obviously we're three women here and um, why, why why do you think it's so difficult for men to open up and all this pressure on them be a man what the fuck does that even mean yeah it's true it's it's so and speaking to the wives of the of the the real Murcroft boys as well they struggled because they would come home and their wives would know something was up with them, but they couldn't say anything because they couldn't open up and talk about things. You know, it got to a point when my own parents, through doing the play, realised, you know, they were, they were like, I, I don't know how to help you because we don't actually know what's wrong because they don't speak about anything. But I don't, I don't, I think it comes from the fact that since time men have always been told that they have to look after the family and they're the providers and that for me that that sort of distances from from emotion and sort of becomes practicality that we need to make money we need to have the house we need to set this up and there's no emotion sort of invested in that which as I said earlier we're we're living people and all we do is feel everything every every emotion and when you stop telling someone how to do to stop doing that and to man up like what does I, I find the question quite you know when people say 
well, it's not the question, the phrase, like, just act like a man. What does that, what does that mean? Well, like, like, and it's the whole thing, like, run like a woman. Yeah. <laughs> what does, what does that mean? Like, we're, we're just, we're just people. Like, there's, one of them says it in the play, you know, there's a character, Hubby, who follows, his storyline follows the fact that he's, he's gay and can't sit in a pub and open up to his mates and tell them because there's going to be this stigma behind what it is to be a gay man in a working class society. And some, you know, the heartbreaking thing about that is that some of those views haven't changed today. And to sit and listen to the boys sort of speak about how they were so open to it, that's fantastic. But that's only 20 years later, as we said. So we just, I think as creatives, we have a duty to be able to tell these stories and reach a wider audience than, than, as I said, as people that just, you know, go to the theatre and are interested in the theatre. We have, we have this duty to really tell stories that have impact. Because, you know, if that's the way we do it, we, um, we're not politicians, we're not, you know, any other, in any other line of work other than this, this amazing industry we're in. So we really should be utilising this, this, you know, privilege that we have to tell to tell these stories and to make a difference. If it can have one person sit in the audience of Moorcroft and think, I need to phone and speak to my dad, or do you know what, I feel that, I'm going to go and speak to someone about it on Tuesday or Wednesday morning or whatever, that's the, that's the job complete. It's, that's what it's really, really about. And it's allowing the boys, the, the, the real boys, to come and feel that too, that they've been worth something. I think it's so important. Absolutely. So obviously you've done a lot of research for this play and you've spoken to so many people. How has uh, writing the play better improved your understanding of mental health and the different branches? It's not just one thing. Yeah. So I th- it's, it's been great because it's made me reflect on my own mental health in terms of the fact that, you know, as I said, I suffer from anxiety and for a long time couldn't say that that's what it was even though I did have the support of my dad being there and I knew that it was a safe it was safe to open up about things but for some reason which I think a lot a lot of people do is there still is that little element of shame almost that they feel this way and the fact that you're sitting in your room fabricating events that haven't happened and overthinking this and what if I said this and it just goes round and round and round in your head sometimes for two minutes, sometimes for two hours, sometimes for two days and you sit there and right in the play there's a lot of a lot of the, the, the characters are influences of things that I've experienced myself and there's little things in there that I go oh. and then, then I think well maybe it's not myself because this is so many other people, it's so much more than just it being personal um, and I think it's realising that you you aren't alone in this is a massive thing. It's, as I said as well, it's about all of us supporting each other, but especially when it comes to talking about how you're feeling on the inside. Like it's so easy to, as we you know, read so many articles, I mean, it's so easy to fix you know something that's so obviously broken, but when it's something that's so internal, it can be very very hard. And to give people time, to really give people time, is something else that. I realise that we live now when everything's so instant and so throw away that nothing actually, no one invests time into fixing things. So writing the play made me realise all these men sitting in front of me take, you know, every three months and go to the pub together. None of them have got their phones out. 
they all sit and talk about things that they did at high school or, or things that they've got or how their kids are getting on or whatever. And that's really special is the fact that they actually invest time into each other. And that's the same when it comes to comes to speaking about mental health is we need to invest the time into into doing it. Yeah, so as I said, you, you have these little sort of episodes sometimes of anxiety and panic attacks and things and there's no shying away from it. I don't think, you know, you could be having the best day ever. There was a time not that long ago, literally nothing could be going wrong. It was great. Just seeing my parents had just been down, fine graduations on its way, feeling like life is absolutely on top form. And yet you sit in your room for two hours just thinking possible worst situations for absolutely no reason. Yeah. At that time, you just you feel like it's the worst thing on earth and then two days later you go why was I thinking that <laughs> why why was I telling myself all these stupid negative things and making myself have a panic attack over it when actually everything's fine but we do it people with anxiety people that have panic attacks they do it and it's just about knowing that it's picking up the phone I know I'm very lucky because I do have my dad there but it's reaching out you know the people that don't have that is finding you know real friends that can say right okay let's get through this together or going to as you said like community support groups or you know counselling sessions there's absolutely no shame in going to a counselling session and for time and time I've said oh yeah I'm at the dentist or oh yeah I'm going to the, do- I'm going to the doctors to see about I was going to counselling and why should we be ashamed to say I'm going to fix my mental health just the same way you'd go right I'm going to the doctors to get a prescription for whatever I've got it's the, it's the same it's the same thing and we shouldn't be for a long time, I was really scared of being like, oh, yeah, this is... Because people automatically linked counselling with, yeah, something something really dramatic. And, yeah, for some people, that is really dramatic. But we need to stop making it a dramatic thing and then it won't be dramatic anymore. It'll just be, oh, yeah, that's that's all right. That's fine. Let's talk about it. So, yeah, it's been... It's been honestly, it's made me realise that, um, you know, 50 years old and 21 years old between me my dad and my dad's friends there isn't there isn't a difference when it comes and male female there isn't a difference at all we all have such a short time here anyway so we need to just make the most of you know what we've got and really speak to each other about things and as I said invest in time into people for sure um, so to your acknowledgement, did the seven young men who you cast in the production, did they gain anything in the play in terms of mental health awareness or, you know? Yeah, one of the, um, one of the men, Colin, um, he turned around to me. I've got it on my, on my voice memos as well. I'd stopped recording and he just spoke about losing Sooty and what it was like for Sooty to phone him and say, you know, I've been diagnosed with cancer and I don't know what to do sort of thing and... Colin was speaking about that and it was really great because he was opening up and saying oh, well, I honestly didn't know what to say and we had this sort of interview and I stopped and then he said oh, I've never been able to speak about it like that and for me I just I just was so I, I, I was feeling all sorts of, I, was, I was really happy but at the same time it broke my heart as I said because he's he's 50 he's near, well nearing 50 and um He's not been able to speak about an event that happened years ago, a couple of years ago, in a way, and I, I don't know if it is, and I said to the boys as well, I was like, for the purpose of a play, do not say anything that you're not comfortable with, but they were all just so open, and I think it's because, maybe not on the surface that they know, 
but sort of they do know that this is an important issue and we spoke a lot about you know what it means to be you know working class and how that is how does mental health come into people in work people in those communities don't talk about things you're told we just get up and get on with it and that's well that make money have a job have a you know have stable life and keep yeah that's it exactly keep your head down keep going and for them to sort of have a little glimpse into a creative process was sort of you know that was alien to them because it's not something that they've done before you know none of them go to the theatre or do anything like that and I think this is something that's going to really encourage them because theatre really does open up things to you that I don't think any other medium can and it's important that we keep this work going so if as I said before if you can have someone come in and sit in a theatre and go oh, I need to go look after my own mental health or I need to do this or I need to do that or I feel really empowered whatever whatever play you go and see or I want to make a difference and um, that's great you've, you've, you've sort of won there but for the it's been great for my dad because he's just been reliving you know really funny times but at the same time it's sort of re you know he's reconnected with himself and thought right this is who I, this is who I am. What my past has been, and that's been, you know, hard. And that's okay. That's all right for it to be hard. And and yeah, it's it's been it's been really. It's, as I said, it's just been amazing because it's just it's been like a counselling session for them, I suppose, yeah. as well. It's talking about things from the past and knowing that it's going to help other people. That people coming in are going to watch it, and it's it's given a message rather than it just being, you know, sitting on their chest for the rest of their lives. So, yeah, I think it has, as I said, not in, maybe not to say out loud just now, but if I was to revisit them again and say, do you know how much, could you tell me how much this has impacted you? I think they would say, oh, a whole lot. Like Suti's mum and dad, for example, you know, I've spoke to them and they said, you know, we're just so thankful you're keeping our son alive a little bit longer. And for them, that's a way of dealing with it. It's just the fact that they know someone's out there telling the story of their son. Great, that's amazing. That's fantastic. The fact that they, they've got that little bit of, oh, do you know, he did something to make a character in a play about, which is just so, so special. And, you know, we're ve we were very lucky actually to have like Sooty. Sooty always wore this um, parka jacket and he gave it to my dad before he died. And we had that in the play. We had the original, you know, Moorcroft jackets in the play. So for the boys to actually be in rehearsals and, you know, hear the men's voices, feel their actual clothing and go, oh, right, okay, we're actually telling something super, super personal and real here. So, yeah, it was great. It was so great. And I'm, I'm really excited for it to just reach a, a, a broader audience and for people to really come and sit and let everything sort of sink in. So what is your plans for the future for it? Plans for the future is um, I want to have it on down here and you know let people see our little Renfrew working class town because that's important as well as we are just showing different communities and the way that they work especially down here I'd love to do that and then I want to take it home I want the you know the, they would all come to to London to see it when you know Touchwood were getting there with it and what we want to do and then as I said it is encouraging all these people to come and see it in, in theatre and ultimately if you know turns into something that is televisional or something like that so it reaches not just people here but just everywhere and maybe it does encourage you if you see it on TV and then the play comes around again they go oh I've seen it on telly I'm going to go and see it in the theatre now that kind of thing and just there's so many avenues that I want to take it with to open up 
maybe it's you know radio play and people can listen lots of you know older generations listen to radio plays and I think that's another thing we need to start doing is encouraging younger people to listen to radio plays so if it's something that they connect with and it's a subject that's they connect with well that's something that you know I'd be, be proud to put on whatever platform for sure so you talk about people seeing the play and being affected and thinking I maybe need to look after my mental health just give us maybe three things what do you do to look after your mental health if you're having a bad day yeah music is a massive one music you know whether it's just shoving your headphones on or you know playing some music yourself or doing something like that um also i have start well when i first realized that this is what was going on was oh got really bad anxiety or whatever i started just writing down when you feel really really down all the positives of things that have happened either that day that month that week that year and then all the negatives and if there's more negatives and positives well you go right well I need to change that or if there's more positives and negatives you go oh do you know what I've had such whether it's like I got up and made myself you know a really nice curry or pasta or whatever it's an achievement you know because some days you literally feel helpless and you go I can't move I can't get out of my bed I feel that that shit really noting down right what have I actually achieved that's you know writing down those pros and cons it's great it's great because you can see it visually I think you know seeing things visually in front of you when so much of it's going on in your head you can actually look at it and go oh right okay I can front of my eyes it's hard to hide from things when they're right there and then oh, my, my third thing it's just chat I think family and friends and taking time to as I said speak to them is just so important you know, whether it's just ringing up your mum and dad, like we, we're we all down here. We, we don't live in Scotland anymore, so it's not just popping around for a cup of tea, but it is just like phoning them and being like, you know, they don't know what you, know, what you want, Nelly. I'm like, I just yeah. say hello or how's things, or phoning a friend that you've not spoke to in ages. Like maybe, you know, we are busy, we are really busy and it's just important to just take that time to speak to people in your life that that really, really matter. And then new friends as well. Making new friends, that's always really cool because you just, it's other influences in your life and taking time to let those relationships grow is really important. So, yeah, that would be, I think that would be my, 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 my three things. Yeah. Amazing. Finally, this is a scarlet question that she came up with. Could you walk into a room today, uh, be it colleagues, friends, rehearsal room, and say, I'm having a bit of a bad mental health day? Now, yeah, I could. And I, ha- and I have done you know walked into my housemates and been like guys I'm having a bit of an anxiety sort of panic attack thing going on here and they know and it's fine and they know to just leave me in my room or to you know if, I, if I've got that sort of glint in my eye where I'm like I really want to talk about this and I'll say I need help and it's you know it's it's great that only now you know throughout drama school I think was, was very difficult as well you know that's going through things where you're told to talk about things that you maybe are thinking oh I don't really know if I should say that in a classroom full of people but it's getting over that barrier and just just saying yeah yeah I need help I'm struggling a wee bit here and it's great to see now my dad even do that he he phones and goes I'm struggling and it's like oh I'm, well not that's not amazing you're struggling but amazing that you can you can open up about it now but I don't I still don't think we're there yet no in terms of everybody being able to do that and we need to create that's also in drama schools and education in general when it comes to high school and things like that we need to create that comfort blanket for people to stand up and go I'm not all right and also have a little bit more training and teachers 
you know, across the board, not just in our industry, but just across the board in education of how to spot the signs of mental illness. Because, as you said, some people don't have that confidence instilled in them to stand up and say, I need help. So we need to be spotting signs of it. And just someone tapping me on the shoulder going, are you OK? Could lead to someone, you know, seeking help and just opening up about everything. So it's really important that, you know, we, we teach everybody how to how to deal with it. I've just looked at you this whole interview like with complete admir ad admiration with a smile <laughs> my cheeks hurt. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate I that. I will put um, a, um, a poll out online if you do want to vote Ailey for Prime Minister. Right, okay, we're going to do a little game, Ailey, okay. called Finish the Sentence. Oh, God. You ready, right? Oh, no. This is where fast thinking. Fast thinking, right. right. Today I woke up and thought... It's sunny outside. Oh, it is. <laughs> when I have a bad day, I put on some music. The worst drunk story I have is the worst what? Drunk story. Drunk story. Oh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, this is awful. Um, me and my friends really need to toilet peed outside and I had an anxiety attack the next day because I thought what if I get caught and what if everyone knows it's me and again this is my anxiety after you drink another another thing comes into play I was like I'm gonna get caught and then mum and dad are gonna find out and then I'm gonna get fined and Hopefully. I've been there Kathy have you no of course she hasn't she's from Edinburgh <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh god <laughs> a word I use too much is like oh me too like this like that like this awful my guilty pleasure is uh, um, crispy M&M's. Oh, good choice. It's addictive. It it's really is. Addictive. In the future, I want to be able to make a difference. Mm. If that makes sense. Do, right. do something impactful <laughs> with our lives. <laughs> I really hope for the ne this next one, you're going to say what I yeah. wrote this for, right? Never mess with a... Scottish person. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, Ailey. It's been amazing to have you on. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast or you just have any thoughts you want to share with us, please email us at industrymindsuk at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at industrymindsuk. We are on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe and give us a cheeky five-star rating if you like what you hear. Thank you for listening and we will hear, hear you? Hear you? Hear you. See you very, very soon. Bye. Thanks for having me, guys. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Oh yeah, Aiden's here. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>